This week on the Sports Initiative podcast, I sit down with head of coaching at Plymouth Argyle, Lee Hodge. He discusses his journey into coaching and some of the support he had during this journey, the importance that coaches can play in a young person's development, as well as sharing some key experiences that has helped guide his practice. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you share it with friends and family. I hope you enjoy. Good. So, Lee, listen, really appreciate you jumping on. Um, I know, obviously, we talk a little bit regularly anyway. How are things? You're all safe and well? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Michael. And thanks for inviting me on. Um, how are you? How are you today? Yeah, all good, my end. All good, my end. As I said, nice sunny day outside and uh, busy, busy at work, it seems always. So, yeah, can't moan too much. So, um, I guess yeah. the, the first thing for me, obviously, reached out to you because I think having had conversations with you previously, you've got quite a interesting story in terms of to also where you are now, but also where you started. Um, I think what we'll probably do, easiest way to do it, because it's quite in-depth, is to let you explain to everyone where you started, kind of what, what the start of your journey looked like, and I'll interrupt and ask questions along the back of that, and we'll kind of go from there if you're happy. So from where you are now, um, from where you started, etc. obviously you're currently at Plymouth working within their academy there, but how did you start on your journey? What did that journey look like for you? Yeah, sure. So um, now I've got, you know, my family uh, are all mad about football. Um, so even from a young age, I was, I was encouraged to play, but I didn't really play organised football until about seven or eight. Um, but I was always going to, you know, my dad played, my uncle played. So I had a lot of family members that played at a good level. Um, so, yeah, just by around seven or eight, I really got into it, especially when I changed primary schools as well. So I went to a primary school where every single boy there was was mad about football and they were good players as well. And, I, you know, I, I started out, I was the worst player there. But by far, you know, I just started playing organised football. So and I, I joined a team around around the age of seven or eight. But within a couple of years, I just I got even more passionate about the game. I really started to, to fall in fall in love with the game. And, you know, I had just good people around me. My dad was a coach. Um, my mum as well really, really took an interest. And I just started to spend more and more time um, playing. And around the age of 11, I got into Plymouth Argyle Centre of Excellence. And I was also playing different sports at the time as well. So I was playing tennis, I was, I was going swimming, but my main passion was football. And I had a coach at Plymouth called Chris Sunis, who um, I just I just loved going to training sessions, even on a cold, rainy night. You know, Chris Sunis was there and I, I just used to love just going and just being around him and learning from him. So I think well, he he was... What was it that stood out about his sessions? What made him him so good? What what engaged with you so much? I just enjoy being around him. So I would just go to a session. It was a cold, rainy night down in Bodmin. And he'd go, oh, you know, Hodgie, I've heard a rumour about you. 
I, I've been sticking up for you, whatever it was when you first entered um, on the on the AstroTurf, the old sand-based AstroTurf back then, and it would just make you feel special. So, you know, I was playing other sports, but football just become my ultimate passion. Just and it was mainly just going to his sessions, just because how he made you feel. And you know, I still to this day, and I only only seen him the other day actually. And I said, oh, I remember the very first, like the three turns he gave us as as home challenges. And you know, I showed him. He's like, Oh yeah, you're spot on. But I remember the sessions. So yeah, around, around by by eleven, twelve, I was just hooked. I, I absolutely love football, but I just knew from a young age, I, I just I wasn't I wasn't going to be good enough. But my dad, he was coaching even more, um, and he he started doing his qualifications. He he was a B licensed coach, and he was delivering sessions, um, so like soccer camps, and he would drag me along with him. So I had to go and demonstrate, you know. So when he was doing practices, I would be the one that would have to demonstrate. And he started giving me responsibilities as well. So around about 14, 15, I was doing a bit of coaching with him. And which which was strange because I wasn't I wasn't ever I wasn't a confident child. I, I really, really struggled within school. Why why um, was that? Just I think more confidence and socially as well. You know, just being from Cornwall, we we lived in the middle of nowhere. Like, just not never just had that confidence at all. Um, so even going to Plymouth Varga, I think that was probably the biggest thing that affected me. Even playing football was just was just believing in myself. And I I was lucky to have Chris Sunis because he gave me that belief, but. Maybe at times I didn't always have that type of person. So within within school, especially, I struggled. So I was always probably seen as a very shy child. Um, you know, not at home, but within you know within different environments. So when you were with Chris Sunes, do you think that changed as well? Do you think you came out of your shell um, at football because of him? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I wasn't always like that. So I think it was just really, it was great for me that, my, you know, my dad was giving me those opportunities because that was definitely, um, it was certainly helping me in terms of just helping me socially, helping me and, you know, even just leading, you know, young players back then, you know, four, five, six-year-olds. It was just, it was great experiences that I was gaining. But it, it, what it did do as well then is within school, um, when it comes to sort of the GCSEs, yeah, we didn't do GCSE PE, but we did JSLA. And although I was probably seen as quite a shy, shy child, they started to see things in me there as well. I, I always remember a teacher saying to me after me doing J, JSLA or can't remember what it's called now, but no, that is I right. Deliver, I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. I deliver a session, and he just said to me after, "Wow, I'm shocked. You know, you've just shown something today I never thought. You know, you had in you." So then I started to, I was encouraged then to start looking at courses that would give me those those opportunities really to learn about coaching. Um, but unfortunately. Think- 
Yeah. Do you think your mum and dad realised that and pushed you down that route, or was it purely a coincidence the fact that he was a coach and you know you you had to go along with him, or do you think that they realised that that's something that would benefit you longer term? I think so. I think they always, um, yeah. I think mum, mum, and they mum's always said that I should have been a primary teacher, but unfortunately, I really struggled at school, so I didn't get the grades. I didn't get good grades at all. I, I left with hardly any GCSEs. And by that age as well, I wasn't given um, a scholarship. So I was, I was on trial extra at the time, actually. I got released by Plymouth um, at quite a young age. Around year 11, I, I went to Exeter. I didn't get you know, offered anything there. So I was thinking, well, what do I do now? And I, I left, with, left with no grades. But luckily, because of my football, um, and because I could play a little bit, you know, I wasn't a great player, but I could play a little bit. There was a there was a coach who was working for Plymouth Argo at the time that knew me, who just started a job at a, a college called Dutchy College. So it was his first role. He was, he was a young young teacher. He was going to be leading a program, the National Diploma in Sports, and I didn't even have the grades to to really get on that course. But luckily, you know, I was given the opportunity. It meant that I could still, you know, I could still play football. It was treated like a programme. So there was lots of, you know, young people on that course that I got released by clubs. And we were training most days. But what it did as well, being on that national diploma, is it gave me opportunities to learn more about sport and, and more about coaching. And again, Alan, you know, he was called Alan Yendel. Again, he really showed me that belief and he gave me loads of opportunities to coach alongside him, coaching on, you know, football camps and so on as well. And Alan, although he was working with us, 17, 18 year old lads, and he was, he was really good with us. Really, really, really good coach. He was exceptional, exceptional with younger children. So he was like a pie piper with the younger age groups and it just, he had so much enthusiasm. So again, it, you know, I learned so much from him. And I think during that time, I really got a bug for, for coaching then. And at that time, my cousin had just started playing football. So he was, he was four. My, my dad, um, he was coaching at a leisure center, decided that, you know, he didn't want to do that anymore. So he basically went right over to you, Lee. You're gonna you're gonna coach on a Saturday morning and you're gonna lead it. And uh so yeah, I'd I just got more and more in, involved in coaching. Um What did you take with you then? Because obviously you've mentioned there you've got um, an individual who's brilliant with the younger ones and you describe him as a Pie Piper. Obviously, if you're now making that shift over to working with the younger age groups, et cetera, and having your own little group, if you like, what were some of the key le- uh, attributes or key things you took with you that you'd learned from him? Well, that was it. You know, I was, I was a really young coach, coaching on my own to start off with um, before I got other, other people in. And, you know, being a really young coach, um, you know, it was quite daunting, but just working with Alan, it, the, the first and foremost was just the enthusiasm and how he made it fun. 
and but then I, I always think back it was just really simple just really developed the, the techniques loads and loads of touches of the ball and I was just you know at that time I was just I wanted to know everything I was looking at um the Brazilian do you remember the Brazilian soccer school franchise and Simon Clifford so I was trying to learn as much about their programs and I started doing football de salo with the with the children in indoors um and it's just just skills just doing loads you know I just made sure they had loads of touches of the ball they were having loads of fun um and they had yeah loads of opportunities to play it was just really really simple but what happened as a result of that is we had around 25 children that were regularly attended on a Saturday morning, but 11 of them got interest from professional clubs. So whether that was Plymouth Argyle, Torquay or Exeter. Good turnover that. And what, <laughs> yeah, so what happened then is I ended up going, um, going down just to see how they were getting on. So I went down to the Centre of Excellence down in Bodmin that I attended as a child. And uh, just to see how they were doing. And the coach come up to after and it happened to be Chris Unis. And he goes, oh, gee, what, what are you doing here? And I just said, well, I've just come down to see how these these couple of individuals are doing, you know, because I coach them on a Saturday morning. And he said, oh, next time, come in. Come in and just see what we're doing. And I'll tell you what, can you do a warm up? So uh, the, the following week, I did a warm up. And he just said, well, next week, can you do the first part of the session, first 15 minutes? So following week, I, I went down there and I did the first 15 minutes of the session. And he just walked past me and goes, right, Oji, you, you know, you're working for me now, don't you? <laughs> so, so that happens. So, you know, and then within a few months, Chris got um, the head of youth. who was Mike Pedrick. So he was the head of youth at Plymouth Argo at the time. Got him to come down to Bodmin and just watch me. And then I was given an opportunity to go and work with an age group at the at the academy. And was there any particular well. reason why they they gave you that opportunity? Was there any, did they say anything, say this is the reason why we think you're ready or this is the reason why we're offering you this chance? I think I was just really, really eager. And I had such a first to learn. I think that was the that was the main main reasons. So he might might come down. He watched me, and I think he just it was probably my enthusiasm um, and my eagerness to learn. I was, I was I just asked him so many questions as well. So I was given the opportunity, and it, it was it was fantastic because Mike um, he was new. You know, I think he'd only been in the role for a year, a couple of years. He was an A licensed tutor. There was the late Gordon Bennett, who wonderful, wonderful man, who really cared about every individual at Plymouth Argyle. So he was, you know, he was the head of youth, sorry, and Mike was, he was doing the 18s and in charge of the programme. Um, and then there was Alan Evans there as well, who was the next European Cup winner of Aston Villa. So there was just so many great people to learn from being so young. And so what and, changed in you over that time? Because you've gone from an individual who's obviously quite shy, not necessarily doing great at school and 
not saying you don't want to learn, but you had challenge with that. So then being identified as someone who's really, really eager, asking loads of questions and maybe a USP being that you really, really want to go and learn and try and develop. So what, what in that initial period as going from a, a young boy to young adult has changed for you to get into that position? I think with Alan Yendel, um, when I was at college, gave me that belief again. He, he just gave me that belief as as a player and also as, as a coach and as a student. And within those couple of years, I, I went from leaving school with hardly any GCSEs that in my second year, I was given, you know, recognition for being top student and I, I got my national diploma and I just started to gain more confidence and then being around Chris Sunis again just gave me that belief. I, you know, I was coaching with him still, you know, as well as going up to the academy, I was coaching with him down in Bodmin with some really great staff members and it was just a real family feel and it just, it just gave me that confidence. And was it due to so success? Was it due to success you began to have confidence or was it because of the way they were making you feel that then bred the confidence which led to the success? Yeah, I, I think possibly a, a little bit of both. And the fact that, you know, shortly after as well, I said to Chris, you know, I've got some some other children on my Saturday morning programme you should have a look at. Um, and that was, you know, including my cousin and a couple others as well. And yeah, out of that number that 11 got signed. So I think I was getting recognition for that as well. And, it, you know, I wasn't doing, it was just really, really simple what I was doing. But what was great is at Plymouth, Mike um, was, he's doing constant CBDs. It was constant. It was, you know, once a month at least. And it was very much about just developing really, really skillful players, just core techniques. Um, There was a real, there was real clarity in what to teach at different ages. It was a really clear program and lots of, four v fours even on a sunday so it's four v fours as well as your seven v sevens nine v nines eleven v elevens and mike in the cbds as well would he would deliver but he would also encourage you to and i just found if during that time we would have people um study you know do their dissertations on on coaching methodologies or, or whatever it might be and what was clear when they were coming down is they, and I always remember this, they would say, every person we speak to, you say the same things. You're all singing off the same hymn sheet. But that, that was because there was so much clarity in the programme. Um, obviously, you've mentioned there the CPD. Do you think that was also part of the individuals that were there? Because obviously you could get some individuals that become your mavericks and go off and start doing rondos and 11 v 11s are under nines. But do you think actually the, the group of individuals you've got that have then bought into that CPD provision, so have gone, yeah, I know my role is as an under nines coach to do loads of 4v4s. Or I know my role as an under 12 is to do loads of 9v9s and work on these specific skills. Was it having a good bunch of people that were able to carry those those CPD titles through? 
yeah, definitely, definitely. He would um, show us, you know, how to, he would work with all age groups. And I always remember on a Sunday, we would um, have every single age group in. And he, alongside staff, would coach every single age group and then they would play in 4v4. So we'd all then collectively be watching every individual and learning about every single player within the club. So, you know, it was, it was a really great time for me. I was, I was very, very fortunate that, you know, at the start of my journey, I was around these great people and part of a, a fantastic programme, you know, and it, it had some success as well. It, was, it did produce players that are, you know, that have gone on and, and done well in the game. So I was very, very lucky. But, you know, during this time, just I, I left college and I didn't know what to do. I really had, had no idea. There was no obviously full time coaching opportunities, so as well as my coaching, I just went and just did you know factory work for a little bit. And whilst 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 working in the factory, I was thinking, well, I don't want to be doing this forever. What am I going to do? And again, just so, so happened when I was coach, I was given the opportunity by Mike to work with the under sixteens. With, with Alan Evans and I, I was still I was very very young it was too early for me really but what a fantastic education it was for me to go and learn from somebody of that experience. So for the younger generation that might not know who Alan Evans is do you just explain yeah. I guess his background? Yeah so he, so he was an ex-European cup winner with Aston Villa and you know he was assistant manager at Aston Villa as well so you know, I got the opportunity to work with him and and during that time as well, um, Alan got in touch with me and said, you know, why don't you do a foundation degree at, at Dutchie College again? So I, I did that. Um, and during that time, um, I've, I come across a, a chap called Hayden Morgan so he had just moved from New Zealand. He was a professional cricketer in New Zealand. He'd come, come down um, to touch you to, you know, come to the UK and come down to, to Cornwall to work as a lecturer at Dutchie College. And wow, you know, from somebody who left school without any GCSEs. And, you know, I did what I did well at college, but I still wasn't great. You know, you know, I, I did struggle. I found it hard, but Hayden again just showed me that belief. He really, he really, he just really believed in me, and he took the time. So I remember handing my first assignment to him, and it was poor. It, it really, really wasn't good. But he, you know, he was very complimentary. He said, "Oh, these, you know, great things here," and he just took his time just to spend every single. Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday morning with me to sit down and, and just go through my assignments. And due to working with people like Alan at Plymouth and being around, you know, doing the foundation degree, I just then just started to believe I want to be a full-time football coach. This is what I want to do. And Hayden as well made me believe that. So, um, I went on to, I somehow I passed my foundation degree and then I went to do a degree at Marjons and I finished my degree. And then 
in my second year coaching the under 16s I was coaching a coaching this individual and it so happened his dad was he was um creating a master's degree he was part of creating a master's degree at the university and he just said you know why don't you why don't you study a master's degree so um so I enrolled on that as well so I went from having no GCSEs to then doing a master's degree and uh, so yeah again you know really really I was just very very blessed in that time that I just had so many people that were just coming into my life making such a huge difference and what was I think what was really more important and something I always think about now there was a period in my life as well 16 17 18 that was quite tough there's lots of things going on but I had just people like Hayden Morgan that that really believed in me and just said you know you've got to forget what's going on just really focus and you you can achieve your dreams you know as corny corny as that sounds why do you think that they like obviously they're gonna have loads of students and loads of coaches in under their thing under their wing if you like why do you think they were so willing to spend time with you what was it that what was it that allowed them to go you know what we think this person's got untapped potential that we can help them achieve again I think I was just really eager had real enthusiasm I just had a real thirst to learn and Maybe yeah, they saw something in, in me that I, di- I didn't think I had, you know, and that's probably it was, it was an always a confidence. I think you know I, I failed school just down to it was more because I always doubted myself. So just and it's something that I always you know when I'm coaching now I just always think about these people and, and what they did for me and I want to make that kind of difference to to every child's life that I work with, and it was. It was just down to them really caring. Um, it was down to them showing compassion, being really committed in their job to work with it. It wasn't just me, they were helping every single single individual and just giving me the confidence as well. And do you think that that sculpted your outlook of like child development or young person development in terms of how much level of care and support is needed? And maybe um, giving, I guess, giving people more chances, if you like, because you know that actually if you can support them when they are going through those rough times, it could make a real positive effect, uh, effect coming out of the back end of it. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I invited Hayden Morgan to my wedding for the whole day and my mum made sure she brought him drinks all day and looked after him that's how much of a difference he made to my life wow wouldn't it be great if you know we as coaches could make that kind of difference to each individual and uh, yeah I just I think I think it's um it's just really important that every time you you know you work with children that you do show that you show that care that compassion I, I worked with a coach last night who you know he works for the FA and he he took the group for the first time and the kids were just eating out of his hand because he he just had that he just yeah he could relate to them 
he showed them how much he cared he gave them confidence and I think that's that's what we all need to display and that's something I learned very very early on just being in around all these people such as Hayden such as Alan and so on and where do you think where do you think we we don't do this so I mean like I think there is generically as a society we're probably a point where we aren't at that stage yet we aren't at the stage where we realize the positive impact and sometimes negative that we can have on every individual so is there any particular steps that you think people could take to get closer to that outcome where actually they can be really really supportive of every individual in their care I think when you're entering coaching um I think that I think the main thing is that you want to help every individual that you're working with have fantastic experiences. You know, in football, the, the stats aren't great in terms of children going on to make it as professional football players. We want to make them better. So we shouldn't just say, oh, the stats are, you know, only this amount make it. No, we should strive to try and help them become, you know, reach their dreams. But at the same time, we want to give them fantastic experiences. And we've always got to remember that children, their main thing in their life might be football. That That's their passion. So we sometimes, we're really, really, we could be really important to their lives. They might listen to us more than their teachers. So we've got to remember that. We've got to be, we've got to be role models. And We've got to make sure that we show them how much we care and, you know, just help them in all aspects, you know, so help them understand the importance of their education. We've got to help provide them that confidence so they can go and succeed in anything that they want to do in life. So I think, yeah, when you're entering coaching, you, you, I think that's what, that's what you should have. You know, that, that should be your, your, your aim, really. I think the key word you've probably said there is should. I think that, you know, that should be the ultimate reason of why you're getting in. It's people development. Um, it's not winning the uh, under 12 South East title with your team who have gone unbeaten and have beaten the team in the final 20 nil. That doesn't matter. It's actually how am I developing these players? How am I improving them as people as well? So I think, yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. Um, but we obviously digress slightly. So obviously you've got to that stage where, you know, you're providing a little bit of support. You've, you've got your, your degree, you've got your master's degree. What, what was the next step along your journey then? Yeah. So the next step was that I was going to be full time at Plymouth. There, there, there was a potential opportunity while I was studying my master's to, to be full time at the club and unfortunately then the the club went into administration so I was thinking right I was, I was, I was still studying my master's I thought what am I going to go and do so I thought this is a great opportunity for me to go and coach in America it was something that my dad did so it's something that I always had in the back of my mind and you know when I was around 15 as well I went over there to to play at college to see if I'd be offered an opportunity to get a scholarship and I, I love my time there so yeah I went to America for a few months to coach and whereabouts did you go in North Carolina okay nice yeah so I went there to work for an organization called Premier UK and 
I, I always remember my, my very first session. Um, yeah, I, I got over there. I was, I was quite, I was quite ill. I, at the time I had an infection and I got off the plane and I had to go straight to a tournament. Didn't finish till half 10 at night. I had to be up early the next morning as well. Obviously jet lagged. It got to the evening and the person said, the person in charge, um, Andy Thompson, he's a, he's a great man, really, really top man. Just said, do you, do you want to go and um, coach? And I went, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I wanted to impress him. I, I want, I want to coach and always, always remember doing a session where it just didn't go well. Didn't go well. I was, I was, you know, make it, I was tired, ill, whatever, any excuse. And it just didn't go well. The, the session almost uh, ran away from me. And it was a really, really big moment for me because I went from being in this little safe bubble at Plymouth where I had so many people, you know, in college and at the club that were looking after me. Now, I made mistakes there, but they, they were, you know, and I was very, very young as well. I was very at the start of my journey, but they were looking after me. I was in that safe bubble to America on my own. And I just always remember um, Andy saying to me that, that yeah, you know, it doesn't matter how you feel, what kind of day you had or, or anything. Whenever you do a session, you're there to, you're putting on a show. You're there to inspire. You're, you're there to engage and fuse and inspire every individual, every session. And that's, that's always stuck with me. So from then on in every session I was over there, I was just making sure that, you know, I was giving it my all. I was, I was always, um, trying to put on that show. And I loved my time there. It was a, it was a great few months that I was there. And, and in terms of in, ter- in terms of strategies, because like you said, there you've come from a, a relatively secure bubble, which obviously has helped you progress both like on and off the pitch to then something completely different. You know, new culture, new country, new staff, new individuals. Was there any particular strategies you used to help you kind of make that transition of going, well, these are my key philosophies and these are things I'm going to stick by? Or was there any particular strategies you used just to help with that transition across? Um, the biggest thing was, first of all, for me, within the first few weeks, is overcoming that that bad session. <laughs> and you know, yeah, just really overcoming that and just thinking, right, come on, I'm on my own now. I've got to, I've got to really sort of, um, go in and be the best version of myself and learn as much as I can. So again, it was really about being open minded. So it was about learning what they expected of, of us as staff. So I went and watched as many sessions and learned from, cause yeah, it was a real small group of staff. But I went and learned from, you know, as many as I could. And I think that was the main thing. It was just being open-minded and, and learning and really enjoying and embracing the whole whole challenge. Yeah, no, it's good. I like what you said a little while ago around the show thing as well. I know um, Paul Tisdale mentioned around why he used to wear his quirky hats and big oh, right. coats and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And his response was because that's the 
time for us all to show off. That's the time for us to give us our best. Like you've worked all week to put on a show for everyone. Um, but I like that, as you said, like as, as a coach or, or, or manager or whatever, you know, when the kids turned up, that might be the thing they've looked forward to all week, or that might be the thing they've got problems at home. That's the thing that for an hour and a half, they can get away from that. So if you turn up in a grump because you got a parking ticket or your car's been whacked or you had an argument with the other half, you're probably doing a disservice to those kids where actually can you put on a show for them so that they feel better and it, you know, you do as well. If you go come out of a session going, all oh, the kids have enjoyed that, they've developed, that makes you feel a bit better about yourself as well. Definitely, definitely. And that, that was something that I really gained from working over there. And we're, we're coaching a lot, you know, and, and also it was the fact that the, we had to travel. You had to drive on your own, stay in somebody else's house and live with, you know, different people as well. Um, you know, and then you're coaching quite a few hours each day. What what fantastic experience. And I think I got so much of just staying with different people as well. And and from that experience of just being really out of my comfort zone, which is again something that I wasn't I wasn't used to. You know, as I said, within school I was quite shy at school, not at home, but quite shy within school, not confident. Um, probably liked my comforts a bit too much to then go in America and really being out of my comfort zones going right you've got to drive here now which is two hours away to put on a session and by the way you're living with these people for the next week so I, I had to do a lot of growing up and it was a, it was a great great experience for me and how um, how did that benefit you for your next step your next step in your journey yeah <laughs> yeah so I come back and again, you know, down here, there's not many opportunities. The club was still not in a good place at the time financially. So there, there was no opportunities. And I I just wanted to coach football. So there was an, so what happened there was an opportunity that arose for me to go to Belfast and coach toddlers right up until children that are 16, 17 years of age. So I went, I, I packed my bags and I was with, you know, my girlfriend, he's, he's now my wife. Um, so we went and that was our first time as well that we went and lived with each other. So we moved to Belfast and I went and coached uh, toddlers, right up to, you know, to ch- children at age 16, 17. And during that time as well, I was given an opportunity to work for Nottingham Forest and their, and their Centre of Excellence. And just come across this this wonderful man called Michael Whitley, who, you know, achieved great, astonishing things really over there. I think. Why do you say that? Children, just the amount of children that were in his centre that would go on and get an apprenticeship at, you know, they get a scholarship at Nottingham Forest or other clubs within the UK. So he, he helped so many children on their journey become you know really succeed in football why do you think that was um (laughs) there's yeah I think the fact that again cared really really likeable 
really likable person and had so much knowledge so much knowledge about the game so again parents just wanted to you know even if they were far down even near yeah a couple hours away they would come up to to Belfast and they'd want their child to be coached by Michael yeah that that likable thing's a big one isn't it like if you if parents are having to make that drive can they see that their child enjoys it or it's a likable person to be around it's it's a lot harder to make that hour and a half two hour drive if you don't like the person who's taking the session compared to someone that you actually respect and think that they're they're doing what's best for your child yeah a mentor of mine called gordon lord um, he, he always says about being trustworthy, likable, and knowledge. Michael had he had that all. You know that's quite that's really hard to have all three, but he had it all. Um, so again, just had somebody that was a, a great human being who invested a lot of time in me as well. We had you know he would speak daily. Had, you know, still in touch with him now. Just a really, really wonderful man. So great experience there. But then an opportunity arose for me to come back home. So I come back to Plymouth and I I worked in a school that I went to and failed as a student. So I went there as as a TA, but then I was given um, an age group at Plymouth, Plymouth Argyle again. So I was a TA for a year working part-time at Plymouth. And then what happened is the school and the club decided to to create this role, a joint role where I was director of football at the school, but I could also spend more time working at the club as well. It's so quite a unique role. And that involved me coaching at primary schools, leading the football programme year seven right up to sixth form. And then also having more responsibility at Plymouth Argyle Football Club as well in terms of managing its centre of excellence and also looking after an age group. Um, And then as well as working in the school, my job was to mentor the children as well within the football programme. So, yeah, I was very, very lucky at the time to have that role. And I guess from that mentoring role, with your experiences that you already discussed, that's something that's quite prep you know, quite prominent in your life. Um, how did how did you find like the ability to be on the other end of that in terms of being able to support the players with their journeys or supporting the students with areas that maybe they, they struggle with? I just found out what really interested them. You know, especially those there were some children who would display challenging behaviours and found it difficult to stay in class. So there was times where I was called upon to go and go and help those children, you know. So whether that was just going and sitting down with them in the library and I'll just go, oh, what are you interested in? And it, it might be history. So, so I would just go, oh, go and read a book that you something that really interests you. And I want you to write. I want you to write about it. And, and then they would do that. And what happened then is they would, their writing skills would improve. Their, their focus would improve and then I would just sometimes then try and ease them back in back in lessons so the, the main thing was again showing that I cared about them and 
and just really taking an interest in them, finding out what they what really, you know, what they liked, what inspired them. And I just spent time just talking about that with them. Yeah, I do think that's something as an industry that is is getting better. Um, you know, the, the crossover between clubs and schools of information of, you know, how the child's getting on, areas that they're struggling with, etc., and how they support them. I guess the other one, and this is challenging with there being curriculums at schools, is how, you know, we if we can let them know how we engage the boys. So example I'd use is kind of the FIFA card principle, which everyone, every club uses now in terms of players earning FIFA cards. Is that something that you could engage in a school context with to help them with their writing? So if they get the assignment in on time, they get this FIFA card or if they get a level up on their thing, rather than just giving them a certificate that they might not have any interest in, could you make it a FIFA card, which engages that individual, um, it sounds like from what you're saying there, it's just like that individualized approach to a, a person's learning, regarding regardless if that's football or not football. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I think we can learn so much from schools, but you know, schools and teachers could learn so much from us as well. So, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could keep further and building relationships with with schools that the children that we work with attend. And we we learn from each other, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. So, what was what was the next step on your journey after that? Then, yeah. So, um, I was coaching at the school, and I, I started doing my youth mods. And Ryan May was the FAYCD at, at Plymouth Argyle, and I just yeah really built a connection with Ryan. Um, fantastic fantastic coach really really good you know so again whilst I was working at Plymouth he was he would deliver sessions and straight I just wanted to learn as much as I could from him but again he went out of his way for me as well so he even come to the school that I was working at uh, to come and watch me deliver a session as part of my youth modules and he was just somebody else who just gave me so much belief in myself um, and I think just down to Ryan, just giving me that confidence, I thought, well, I, you know, I was really lucky where I was. I was, you know, I really enjoyed my job at the school and at Plymouth, but I just thought oh, I want, I want to be full time still within football. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to keep, keep trying to achieve that. So I, um, I was very fortunate enough to be given an opportunity to go and work for Swansea City football club and I, I do owe it to Ryan that he gave me that belief that you know I could go and do anything I wanted so yeah I, I applied and I, I was fortunate enough to get the role at, at Swansea. And in terms of taking anything with you from his from his manner or his his way obviously you mentioned about the confidence side is there anything tangible you took like sessions or delivery style or coaching methodology is there anything in particular that you took with you when you started your role at Swansea oh just with Ryan it was just his again it's his enthusiasm how he connected with each individual but um the sessions he's just yeah he just had such an understanding of of children 
and young people as well you know even with the older age groups and how to work and you know his interventions um the amount of amount of playing time that they had just yeah re- really really good coach fantastic coach and and brilliant coach educator so yeah i'll i'll just try and learn as much from him as i could do in that time um and yes yeah, when i went and started my role at swansea i definitely definitely took a lot from from ryan and then Swansea as a club, obviously, it's quite an exciting period for them um, from knowing because obviously we crossed over. That's where we we first met, if you like. I know that they they obviously were Premier League club, were heavily invested into the youth setup, etc. What was that like for you um, in terms of going into a club, I guess, of that magnitude? And did you see anything in terms of the structures that were put in place that allowed them to be successful in terms of for both staff and players? Yeah, it was... I went in into the club at a time where it was really, really growing at a pace, the academy. They're really investing in it. So it was going from Cat 2 to Cat 1. And there was lots and lots of new staff as well. So it was a, it was a really exciting time and um, had you know, very, very good head of coaching. You know, I was standing head of coaching in, in Dave Adams and, you know, it was a... The program was all ready. It was all, it was a really, really good program. And it was great because I went in that infancy where it was just growing. Um, and it went to cut one. I had to learn very, very quickly what was expected of me within that environment. Um, and it was, it was again, it was quite difficult because I'd gone from working in a school and, and working for Plymouth only as a part time coach. Um, to then a category one academy that was growing at a pace that had lots and lots of staff working in different areas as well. So, you know, whereas at Plymouth at the time, at that time, you're almost doing loads of different jobs other than coaching. By going to Swansea, you are a football coach, but there's also other people in doing, you know, whether it's sports science, psychology and so on. So I just had to learn very, very fast how to work people in different areas as a multidisciplinary I had to work I had to learn very fast in terms of what was expected of me and about the program as well and looking at culturally around there obviously I know there's probably some similarities in terms of Plymouth and Swansea being quite a distance from from any other clubs and and I guess some of the benefits and challenges you have with that but in terms of culturally um, within the city was there anything that you saw that was a common thread through the players or through the staff that were based from that area yeah they they love the club you know the Swansea is uh, one club within the city really really passionate about the football club um, those from the area and it was just really important for me to learn about the history um, and and just learn as much about the club as possible. So, I, yeah. So, um, I, I watched Jack to, Jack to a King and, and, and tried to learn as much as I could about the history and about its rapid rise to, to the Premier League and about the vision of what, you know, what it wanted to achieve in the academy and how many players it wanted to produce and, and so on it. So, um, it was really important 
for me to to do that to and to learn as much as possible about the football club and the area. And obviously you mentioned earlier around like there being clarity of purpose at, at Plymouth there. Do you think that was one of the strengths of Swansea as well, is that you all knew what the ambitions for the academy was and actually this is the players that we want to get, or well, number of players we want to get through. Do you think that was the important bit for you guys? Yeah, most certainly. Um, you know, During that time I was there, there was a real clear philosophy. You know, in terms of you could really tell what the Swansea way was, and that ran right through, you know, from youngest ages right up to the first team. So there's a real clear way of playing, and that was, again, that's something I had to learn as well um, about what was expected and, and what the philosophy was. And yeah, I, I think I think during that time, just trying to spend as much time watching other coaches and speaking to the head of coaching Dave Adams at the time to to learn about what types of players they wanted what they wanted to see in their players I thought that was, that was so it was paramount for me to do and was there anything again uh, similar to what you mentioned earlier, earlier is there anything tangible that you took with you obviously I know you're back at Plymouth now and that was kind of your next stop but was there anything tangible that you really picked up on to say, yeah, this is, you know, key learning I can take with me from Dave Adams and people like that? Yeah, I just think um, just reaffirmed to me, you know, from previous experiences, whether that was with Mike Pedrick, you know, with Plymouth Argyle, the start of my journey, Michael Whitley, and then to Swansea, how important it is to create real technically proficient players to really focus on developing their techniques and, you know, getting them, you know, children having lots and lots of touches of the ball, mastering those techniques and becoming really, really comfortable on the ball and being brave enough to get on the ball in any area of the pitch, being able to deal with the ball in any area of the pitch. I think that's something that I, um, it just, yeah, just reaffirmed to me how important that is when working at Swansea. And I'm guessing, uh, so the last stop of the last stop of this tour, if you like, is where you are now. That's a, something that you're able to use in, in your current role. Um, if you want to explain to people what that is, etc. Yeah, so I'm currently head of coaching at Plymouth Argyle, and also technical lead of the sevens to fourteens. So, um, yeah, so job is to to work with the coaches to help with their development and help them achieve their, you know, their goals as well, but also oversee the players within the, within the under sevens to 14. So I get lots of opportunities to work with the coaches on the grass and, and work with the players as well. And it sounds like obviously a common theme that's run through this for you is, is kind of around the whole, um, making making football fun and engaging with the players how do you do that with those younger players that you work with yeah no first of all really really important that you create an environment um for the children where they're having they just want to come back to having so much fun they're being challenged you're giving them the confidence here you're giving them you know that inspiration to to go away where they want to do more as well um, and with the younger age groups, as I said earlier, you know, 
the aim should always be to engage, infuse, and inspire every single child that you work with. So at Plymouth, that's a really it's really, really important. We've got got a great program. Um, we're really lucky at the moment where we've got a, an owner that is so passionate about the club and he's invested so much in the club and and you know he comes to the academy games for instance he he really wants the academy to do well to produce players we have got a, a manager that doesn't matter what age you know they are they, he'll give them an opportunity and we're really 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 lucky at the moment where we've got a director of football in in Neil Jusnip and Neil's definitely come down and um made such an impact and again it's somebody that I can learn from because he's 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 outstanding outstanding as a coach outstanding in what he does so um and again the more and more I'm around people such as Neil Jusnip the more I'm you know learning that and it's just again confirming how important it is to make sessions really really fun we're really focusing on developing their ability their techniques you know their ability to to pass to dribble to be aware to receive and so on so you know really really simple but it's so so important to to not be in a rush to develop players that are outstanding technically and and just make sure that they they have lots of fun because the more fun they have the more they'll want to keep coming back. Simplicity is key, right? I think that's yeah. what everyone's noting. The more yeah. simple you can make practices, the yeah. more simple you make messages. Right. Simplicity. Very simple. Very simple. So the more and more, you know, I've I get to see Neil work, the more I understand how important it is to to keep things simple, to really focus on developing them technically and, and stay close to the game. It's got to look like the game. Yeah. Um, so we've got a yeah, as I said, fantastic program, um, which is is going from strength to strength at the moment, and I'm I'm very lucky to be in this role where I get to work with the coaches and and also work with the players as well, and, and get lots of opportunities to to coach coach the younger age groups, which I'm really passionate about. So I think what would be interesting, and uh, just to hear your perspective on this. Obviously, the distancing is is a big one, and I, I'd imagine it has its challenges, but also probably some benefits from your experience. And I imagine this goes kind of up and down the pathway from an under seven all the way through to first team. What, if any, would you highlight as like a particular benefit of being maybe away from, you know, all the main clubs? If you look at London, where it seems like you've got one every five miles or whatever it is. Um, and what would you say are some of the particular challenges that you guys face? The games program, um, we we really do have to travel. It's part of our DNA. You know, on a Sunday we have to travel two or three hours, um, and that's something that can be quite difficult for children that are young um, to start off with. But to be honest, it does become part of their DNA. They get used to it. And I think actually the advantages of that, of travelling, is you're spending so much time together. So you're able to build those stronger relationships. You're able to get to know the players more, get to know um, staff even more as well. So that it, it actually does have its advantage, advantages as well. 
that's a really interesting one because a lot of the time you know on these podcasts people say to me you know it's about relationship building and spending time together um and that's kind of a what you've got there is like probably an a not ideal circumstance that actually turns into a real positive for you guys as a staff and as a club. Is there any particular strategies you use whilst you're on these away trips or any particular games or anything you use to try and help develop relationships with both staff and players? Well, it's the perfect time when you're traveling where you can sit down with each individual and whether it's finding about how their week was, um, going through their, their development plan and what they're going to focus on, what their targets are for the game. So it's the perfect opportunity just to sit down with each individual and also have fun as well. So whether that's, you know, telling stories, jokes, singing, you know, you've, you've got that time. Um, and it's the same with staff as well. You've got that opportunity just to chat, just see how each other are. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's the real advantage, really, of being on a bus for two or three hours. And from you, from a personal point of view, is there any particular experience or particular study visit that has really resonated with you and, you know, affected you as a practitioner? I've done so many. Um, I've had so many fantastic experiences over the years, so it's quite difficult to to pick out one um I've been very very lucky that I had the opportunity to go on ECAS and I'm currently on the EHOP program so we've done things like the Brecken experience and and so on but the one the one that really sticks out is we went to a school um in Tottenham called Gladesmore School um and going to the school in the morning is, and it's been it's known as an outstanding school within London, but it's in a very deprived area. But we go into the school and into the assembly and first thing in the morning, you know, there's music playing. Um, the children are really excited. It's like a, I don't know, it's just a fantastic feeling in the place. It's like a party atmosphere, if I'm, if I'm honest. Um, and we sit down and we, we watch this performance. And the head teacher really gives a, an inspirational speech for first thing on a whatever day it was, I think a Monday morning. It's it's really inspirational, and I thought, wow, what, you know, this man is is fantastic. How lucky are these children? Um, but then, yeah, the staff were doing a performance, that, and you know, the children were as well. So there's somebody got up on stage and sung, and the hairs on the back of my neck just stood up. It, it was just amazing. Um, and then afterwards we've got an opportunity to just go and watch lessons and again you know I hated maths at school but we went to this maths lesson and the teacher the energy and the pace that he's working and how he just really worked with every individual and just helped them and the way he made people feel as well within the lesson I, I just found myself I was joining in and I hated maths at school, but I was joining in in the lesson. Um, and even putting my hand up as well at times, I couldn't help myself. So, and then we saw the um, the girl that sung on stage and I said, oh, you know, do you want to be a singer? And she's like, I want to be a lawyer. I'm just thinking, wow, you know, these, and then I spoke to another, per- you know, another lad who, who performed in the morning as well. And he was saying he wanted to be a doctor. And I just thought, wow, you know, these children really have high ambitions. 
yet some of them do live in a you know deprived area they um you know they've probably got quite a lot of barriers in their life but this school basically are creating a real safe haven and they just had this saying you know um dream it reach it achieve it um they had these values as well um reach values and it was just evident within the school you could you just constantly you could hear these values being said um so that's really, really stuck with me, that experience, just being within that school. And I think the main thing was just how the staff felt, how passionate they were, but also how much the children seemed to enjoy being in, within that school. And I just thought, wow, if I can, if I, you know, if we could achieve the same at Plymouth Argyle, where, you know, the children love coming to training, they love, they feel part of the family, the parents feel part of the club, and staff you know we can achieve great things and did the did you well did you get an opportunity to speak to the head teacher and if he if you did did he explain or describe how they actually got to that point because I'd imagine if you come in in front of a new set of staff on day one and go right what we're gonna happen is every morning we're gonna have people singing songs we're gonna have choirs we're gonna have dancing we're gonna have music in lessons it's going to be really lively you're probably going to take people back a little bit because it's quite non-traditional so did he talk you through that journey and what that actually looked like from a practical uh, perspective we got an opportunity to speak to many staff including the head teacher and you know he did speak about the aim in terms of creating that safe haven within the school I think it was mainly just um, having really good people so there are even teachers there that went to the school themselves and just people that were passionate and really cared about the children and would go above and beyond. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really about just creating, a, having great people working within the school and just creating a culture and having values that everyone just lived by every single day. And I'm sure this you know in, in that setting this would have come up from time to time but what um what would they do with people that maybe tried to be an outlier that didn't conform to the, the school values or the the um class values or what what that looked like did they discuss kind of how they tried to get those people on board or how they challenged those behaviors um not really it just it just seemed apparent to me that they just made sure um, they, they had the right people. So whether it was even training somebody who had gone to the school, he just knew, yeah, he he knew what the school stood for or she, or she, you know, they knew what the school stood for. So I think it was really important that they just had the right people that knew the vision of the school. So, but yeah, they didn't discuss too much more than that. What about pupil-wise um, in terms of if they had any challenging behaviours from the pupils? Did they- did they discuss anything around that and how they supported the individuals with that? Um, not, not really. I think the main thing was the values were just all, they're just so evident. You just, you could see um, that they're in place. You know, we all talk about having values and, you know, I think every, if we talk about football now, every football club has, they say they got values, but it was really evident at their school what the values were. 
and how they were educating the children. Um, and I think the main thing that I saw from the staff that day was, you know, we were only there for one day, but the main thing I saw was that they all cared about every single child. Um, and I think they supported the local community as well. And they dis they did discuss that. So um, they didn't go into great detail, but the main thing that stood out for me on that day was just how much they cared about the children. Perfect. So listen, last question from me, and it could be a challenging one for you, which is who is the best player or coach you've worked with or against and why? Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the fence here. Think, oh, there's, there's just so many, there's so many, um, you know, I've mentioned so many in this, in this interview in terms of, you know, Hayden, Alan, um, Alan Yendo, Alan Evans, um, so on, you know, Ryan May, Neil G. Sniff. I, I couldn't pick. I just, I couldn't choose. There's, they, they're all outstanding in their own right. Um, and in terms of, in terms of players as well, there's, there's been so many that have, you know, done well and then gone on but there's also been so many that haven't quite made it but they've gone and done amazing things in in other walks of their lives so yeah I'm really really sorry <laughs> I'm gonna sit on the fence but at least you don't need to get your tin hat ready you're not gonna have anyone giving you pelters for not picking them so that should be fine but no, Lee, <laughs> listen, really appreciate your time. Really, really good conversation. Obviously, really nice to hear about your journey. And I think what it does show for people is that there's lots of peaks and troughs along those journey. There's lots of bits that are going to be really good and high moments and then other times that will be more challenging. But actually, if you can wheedle your way through during those journeys and if we can encourage the players to do the same you know you get out the other end of it in a real positive way so I think that's a really nice take-home message for everyone that's listening yeah well, yeah thank you for first of all inviting me on to to share share my journey but yeah I just hope to you know I wanted to just talk about the experience I've had with so many great people um and how much they've definitely influenced me and and others as well and I think we we as coaches have such an important role to play don't we in in a child's and child's life so yeah no thank you very much for inviting me on no worries at all and I'll, I'll catch up with you soon Thanks for listening to the Sports Initiative podcast with me, Michael Wright. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Initiative podcast and share this podcast with friends and family. I'll see you next week.